there was a question you asked me of could the system which organizes heroes for the the infinity initiative be the lab from the artificial insurrection stuff yeah and i said i look would look into it yeah i don't know probably not Welcome to Double Issue. This is Daniel. And I'm Quentin. We're a fiction podcast where we tell stories set in a shared superhero universe. And then every other week we world build in that superhero universe. And this week we're doing the stories. And our prompt was war. Do you do anything special this week getting ready for it? Um, Not really. I have resubscribed to Marvel Unlimited and I've just been going through a bunch of comics, but it's been kind of whatever for now. Yeah. I went and saw, well, we both went and saw Infinity War. Yeah. And I think we had enough talk about that to fill a whole episode, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, one thing I don't think we talked about it in that little mini episode was sitting and watching the movie the whole time. I was just thinking, are there? is this something I could steal for double issue? Okay. So last week I was a garbage co-host and my story wasn't fully done. Before we recorded our episode. <laughs> Usually I'm that person. I'm that garbage co-host. Yeah, it was Daniel this week. Um, yep. But part of it not being done was I didn't have all the names of all the heroes that would be take taking part in my story when Daniel was able to ask questions about it. So we're going to go through real quick and see what Daniel thinks about these characters. Okay. Silver Streak. I like them in the story but just the word streak has very specific meaning to me streaky the super cat yeah <laughs> um what is silver streak's powers fly fastness okay fast flightness i don't know flighty streakness i didn't come up with all power sets <laughs> i just i'm asking questions yeah we've got the southwest sentinel i like it not to be confused with sentinel right You've got Flight Knight. Is he like an armored knight with just like a jetpack? Uh, I don't know if he had a jetpack or if he could just fly, but it is definitely, well, either way he flies, it is definitely just a guy in armor with a sword kind of deal. And then we got King Art. Yeah, what was their powers? I mean, fly. fly. All these characters can fly, I know that much. Is he an artist? I was thinking that he like, he has art powers. <laughs> and part of uh part of his persona is king art but it's also like a play on king arthur okay and so he kind of clashes a bit with flight knight because flight knight i think i don't know if he's a time traveler or what but he kind of has that feeling of like i am rightfully a knight and you sir are an imposter <laughs> king art just acting like a king as your king you should be subservient. So they kind of butt heads in the story a bit. Last, and I would say not least, because he's definitely the most, <laughs> Super Bear. 
there's a lot of different ways I could take this. But what was your uh your concept? Just a bear that flies. Okay. Just like an a, actual bear. A bear with super strength, flight, you know, whatever. Cool. I, I like your your expanded cast. Those are excellent. Oh, and I had a thought. Ichival. This is before this Ichival was on the team. This is a previous Ichival that was in my story. Oh, okay. Since you wanted him to be new for the around the robot artificial insurrection. Yeah. Yes, and also Ichival was back then because sometime between there and there that Ichival died or retired and passed on the weapon and memories of being the hero i don't know how we haven't exactly worked it out but it passes on somehow yeah and it has. i think we discussed it one way during the part one of cliffhanger and then i think we changed how we thought about it during artificial in- insurrection that maybe something we can build up later yeah we can figure it out at some point will you ready for my story then yeah Let's do it to it. Let's do it to it. All right. Last Hunt by Daniel J. Poole. I'm getting too old for this crud, Garth said, collapsing against a pile of rubble. Hilly snapped off three quick bolts before ducking next to him. Fat, too. The Guardian chuckled between heavy breaths. He peeked over their cover. Plasma bolts seared the top of his head. Thousands of death machines cried out in a sawtooth battle cry. I'd say watch it, but you aren't wrong. I know it sounds crazy, but I like being retired. Get to sleep in, don't have to wear pants. Barney's the only person nagging me. I nag because I care. Clip, she said, holding out a hand. He reached into his vest and threw her a pack of crossbow ammo. What's our play here? Oh, you want my fat opinion now. Miss Big Shot Aegis Hero. She nodded while checking over her utility belt. Just because I took the promotion and you decided to pack it up doesn't mean I don't want your opinion. She handed him a live grenade. So you here to talk or fight? He threw the device into a packed crowd of foot soldiers, then ducked. The explosion shook the ground and sent the robot into the air. When the dust cleared, twice as many machines replaced them. There's too damn many for us to take on alone, I reckon. We should call in the cavalry. The hunter put her gauntlet to her mouth. Break, break, call an Alpha. Alpha, this is Hunter. Her wrist fizzed and popped. A voice piped over the static. Received, Hunter. This is Cyberwolf. No one has eyes on Amy. Damn, I, I forgot. She looked to the sky and said to herself, Amy, where are you? She pressed her calm and said, There's no way we can stay here. Minotaur squad is about ten blocks north of you. We'll send help when we can. Stay low. Copy. Out. <sighs> she said with a huff. Garth kicked his boot heels up on the hood of a nearby car. I don't know. Weather's nice. I could go for a nap right here. Neighbors are a bit loud, though. Hildy gave him a shove. She pulled a box out of her belt. Tossed it into the air, it transformed into a miniature plane and zoomed away. Her gauntlet showed a video feed from the drone as it zipped across the battlefield. Does everyone in Aegis get one of those little roboplanes? Barney put it together for me, she said with a warm tone. He said I needed someone to keep an eye out for me. 300 miles away, Barney and Tanya Steele watched the feed from the plane on the couch. 
She poured a soda into a Novelty Hunter branded mug and passed it to her dad. He passed her a bowl of popcorn. Does mom know we do this? She asked. Mom knows I can watch the Falcon's camera. We might keep our watch parties between us, though, he replied. Tanya pursed her lips. Is that lying? Only if we get caught. Shoot, would you look at that? Falcon flew past thousands of steel bodies screeching in a high-pitched code packed into the narrow streets of the Citadel. Glowing red eyes clashed against the deep gray of the streets. Heroes the world over battled the machines. Double take zipped between the combatants, destroying each with a perfectly placed sword strike. Battle Maiden fought off waves of robots with her bare hands. Her tattoos glowed with each hit. Ichival pulled back an invisible string with several tentacles. Clouds of glowing arrows launched from their bracers through the swarms. Bison faced off with a goliath. She took hold of a streetlight and swung it over her head like a club. Hitting the goliath, it flew backward like a foul ball. Tanya's mouth fell open. Daddy, could I be strong like Bison someday? She's so cool. Barney smiled, then he stopped. He furrowed his brow. No, I don't think so. She's a were-bison. She was born strong. What about Mom? She's strong. Could I be a hero like Mom? Barney broke into a sweat. He chewed his popcorn fast. I don't know, sweetie. I mean, you took after me. You're smart. I don't... Uh, um... Oh, look, shoot. He fumbled with a headset. Pressing a button, he said, Watch your six. You got two, honey. On the screen, Hildy fired a pair of arrows off in front of herself. They ricocheted behind her and struck a set of robots in the head. She pressed a finger to her ear and said, Thank you, dear. Anytime. Barney started to say, Go, mommy. Tanya interjected. Shh. Hildy cleared her throat. Dear. Yes, honey. Is our daughter watching with you? There was a pause. No? Well, they canceled school, um, because of doomsday. Oh, look out! A pair of skeletal robotic foot soldiers opened fire on Hildy and Garf's cover. One jumped onto the hood of a crushed car and fired at the heroes. The guardian grabbed the machine off the hood. His fingers crushed the steel frame. Its legs and hands wrapped around its head. The robot's skull hissed static. An arrow wedged itself into the machine's eye socket. It went limp in time for Garth to grab the second diving at Hildy. The hunter said, We'll have a long discussion about this once I find more cover. Garth nudged her and pointed down the street. He said, I think y'all will have to postpone that talk. The synthetics in the field were joining together in one mass. Six of the hundred-foot Goliath-class battle mechs began climbing one another. The shorter foot soldiers followed. Soon they formed a 400-foot tall death robot. It turned to face the assembled heroes and began lumbering toward them. At least we've trained for giants. What do you say? One last hunt? Hildy asked. The bright red alien nodded. He punched his palm. Last hunt? Ha! I still got plenty of fighting left in me. Hundreds of heroes raised their fists. Together they charged at the mechanical monster. Barney made a quick pass around the robot with a drone. He said, It has a weak point in the lower back, just beneath the platen. 
Hildy scaled the pile of broken concrete. You coming? Garth tightened an oversized lifting belt. Ready. Hildy was already ahead of him, firing exploding bolts into the Colossal's ankles. He sighed. How did the she have this much energy? Garth broke into a run. Each explosion sent foot soldiers flying off the mechanized mass before scrambling back into place. The giant turned its attention at the hunter and kicked at her. Guardian sprinted in time to punch the foot out of the way. I need to get closer to its lower back, Hildy said. Sounds like you need a lift, Garth said. He held out a hand to her. She put one foot in his palm and aimed herself like a spear. He hurled her into the air. Hildy flew through the air, loosing a barrage of arrows under its crawling armor. One struck true, blowing away a crater of foot soldiers. Barney covered his eyes. Please be careful, Hildy answered him. I'm always careful. She fell back to the ground. Guardian caught Hunter again and threw her into the air with a twirl. The Colossal screeched in pain. Hildy grabbed a foot soldier by its head. It clawed at her with its free arm. She swatted the hand back, taking a packet from her utility belt. She attached an explosive at the machine's waist. A ginormous hand swept at her. She dove off the robot toward a streetcar awning. The giant was quicker. It landed a punch on her and sent her crashing to the ground. No! no! Barney and Tanya said. Garth saw her impact. The machine drew its fists back. He sprinted to her. The giant threw a punch at her. Guardian caught it. The force shattered the tarmac under him. That all you got? He said. Rocket thrusters extended from the machine's arm. It pushed Garth deeper into the ground. Damn my mouth. Hildy stirred. Get up. Her eyes fluttered. Her arms moved. That's it. Get up. She struggled to stand. Tanya pulled a plush red doll closer to her chest. Why isn't Mama getting up? Barney pulled his daughter closer to his chest. She'll get up. Just watch. She's fine. Hildy's hand withdrew a small black tube with a red button. No, Barney said. There's too much weight over her. He scrambled with the earpiece. If you blow the legs off now, it'll... Tanya squeezed her father's hand. It'll what? Hildy squeezed the button. An explosion rocketed the robot's back. Its legs seared off from its torso. Falling forward, the machine rocked Garth off his stance back onto his heels before he was pushed through the street. The fist shook the ground with its impact before the top half of the robot fell forward. Hundreds of heroes reached the legs and torso. They began attacking the scrambling robot foot soldiers. Quake rattled the rest of the colossal apart. From under the fist, a red arm dug itself out of the rubble. Garth threw the machines away from the crater. He dug through the rock with his nails. Falcon pulled in close to watch. Barney was motionless. Tanya took the earpiece from him. She began yelling, Mama! Mama! They watched as Garth withdrew chunks of scrap metal. He kept digging, even when his hands began bleeding a dark blue. Amongst the war zone, he knelt and collapsed. Daddy? Where? Where's Mama? Ah, ah, don't know, spark plug. The end, for now. Well, I don't think there's a lot to ask questions because it's mostly characters we already know mm -hmm. doing things we already know they do 
And maybe yeah, that, there's not a maybe that's a whole fine. lot here. Maybe we just have those because at some point we'll have more of those, won't we? Yeah. So maybe I should just ask then. How'd you cool. feel about my story? Yeah, it was cool seeing the, the the different moves they do. Yeah, seeing Hildy in action. I really like just having Hildy alive because now I actually care about this character. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I did have that the story made me think a lot about was I think we were kind of nebulous about the battle and where it took place. Yeah. So we discussed it a little offline, but we were t- discussing about settling Citadel someplace and trying to set up where this battle then took place. So we talked a lot about the robots in Citadel going haywire. And so I thought maybe the battle takes place maybe outside the city or nearby. And I looked around at a lot of Google Maps because we talked about the giant monsters coming out of the out of bodies of water, which led me to looking at Michigan because it's surrounded by the Great Lakes. And Grand Rapids is kind of a good sized city in the middle. There's also Lansing in Detroit, kind of in that whole area. But I thought Grand Rapids might be good. And maybe in the fiction, they just kind of made that whole into the state just that belongs to the citadel now or something like that it's like we don't want to deal with the giant monsters oh i'm looking at grand rapids and that far in well that's what i was thinking was there'd be some i thought there'd be some distance between the main part of the city and where the monsters walk yeah but i just looking at the the, all these lakes is it just the one lake it comes out of see that's what i wasn't sure because i thought it might be all those in the area but that's a huge area because in the other spot it could be is like up top part yeah like at the center of all three kind of three meet because there's just a natural forest up there so the city could be there yeah hmm. that could work i like it being situated in the real world like geography wise but we yeah. can work on where exactly if we do that so that was my my one big thought from this story was maybe placing citadel I do just like having a canon that Garth just doesn't wear sleeves. <coughs> Garth do Garth. Garth does Garth. But anyway, I guess we want to go to an ad break. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. And then you're no. going to look weird for me saying sure and you laughing. Hi, that's my brother Mason, the Grand Slam Williams. And that's my brother, Luke V. Slightly less than a Grand Slam, Williams. We're brothers. And inventors. Every Thursday, we invent something brand new before your very ears on our podcast, Hey, I've Got an Idea Show. Like one time we made a board game. And uh, we did a card game, too. That's similar, but it's not always games. Yeah, yeah like we did uh, breakfast cereal. And, and a toilet, too. Uh, and we invented a vegetable. <laughs> sort of. So, hey, check out Hey, I've Got an Idea show wherever you get your podcasts or at HIGAIShow.com. Put it in your ears. Okay, so I did my story or did we introduce it? I'm going to do my story now. Once there were birds. Once upon a time, there was a kingdom. In this land, the kings and queens ruled their people to work the mines. But the people didn't mind. The people gave the stones they dug up to their rulers. 
the rulers handed these to the sky gods. The sky gods returned them food and supplies. Things were good. Then some of the mines started to dry up. Rulers had to do with less. To keep the same yield, they needed what others had. So they started to take it by force. At first, it started with a skirmish here or there. When everyone didn't know what was happening, they were able to take some mines by surprise. But as more and more mines dried up, everyone started to draw lines in the ground and started to dedicate people not to digging up the ground, but to move those drawn lines by force. War and chaos consumed the kingdom. The kings and queens declared territories and claimed subjects and birthrights. Factions and clans emerged and the gods sat in the sky and watched. They floated above battlefields, fought for what remained in a mine. They didn't care which side was victorious, only that the contents of the mine be given to them from the winners. Sometime in the mire of this chaotic time, a girl named Contra was born. She started as nearly everyone did, toiling in the mines while control of it flipped from monarch to monarch. On a day like any other, she moved stone from earth to cart when an object fell from the dirt nearby. She had heard of strange objects before and whispers that such objects could feed a town for many spans. Were she older, she would have prioritized the need of the many over her curiosity. But she was young, so she hid it. She tucked it into her clothing and sought to explore it later on her own. When she was alone at night, she tapped at its glassy surface. The flat object showed her things for which she had no words. It showed the sky, full not with the sky gods that watched them, but other things. Towers of rooms stretched into the sky. In between them, she saw tiny things swooping through the air. She didn't have words for them, but they were birds. At first, she just watched. She cried. She couldn't explain why the tears came to her, but she knew she was looking at something from which she had been cut off. The vision showed her a sudden loss of a world no one on the planet could even begin to remember. Not only were there birds, there were clouds, there were oceans. She saw colors that didn't show up in their world anymore. Contra didn't know what it meant at first. She just knew that it showed her a vision of the world she couldn't get from reality. She hid it away each day, and each night she would let it light up her eyes until it lit up her dreams. She figured out it did more than just display things. She could tap on it to change what it showed. Eventually, she worked out enough of its rules to get it to display what she wanted when she wanted it. Most nights, she made it display the birds. She studied the birds with a curiosity one can only have for things one has never seen. Where at first, all she saw were similarities between these creatures and the sky gods. Now all she saw were the differences. A sky god could sit in the same spot in the sky watching, but she learned a bird had to first climb the air before it could look like it were floating. Even then, it would have to land, eventually. She tried copying the movements of the birds a few times with no results. This was before she learned more intricacies, such as the structure of their wings and their less dense bones. She would never admit to anyone, but she cried when she figured out she would never be able to fly like the birds did. Years passed as she learned all she could about birds. Then she learned about more than just the birds. She learned about the other missing elements of her world. As more time passed, she became more knowledgeable about what had been, and she became angry. For with the knowledge of what was, she also learned how it came to be that they no longer were. The Sky Gods arrived and called themselves friends. They made contact with the leaders of the world at the time. 
The number of leaders weren't fewer than those now, but they maintained a more peaceful relation than those of her time. The people of this world were technologically advanced, but the sky gods had so much to show them. They could only show them, though, if they agreed to certain conditions, so the people of the world had to unite. They wanted to advance further, and the sky gods were showing them the path. So they coalesced. They appointed a leader so they could grow. This leader's name was Garth. He became the face of the world. He stood for all the people of the planet. He negotiated with the sky gods for access to their technology. He had the support of a council, but he had final negotiations with this new race. He was the leader of this new era. He was the bright light leading the world into the future. He was, until he wasn't. He warned the council about the sky gods' secret propositions. The promises to expand his riches while depleting the planets. He was replaced. He tried to gather support against the Sky Gods and Council's collusions, but no one would listen to him after he was discarded. He went underground. With a new, less opposing leader, the Sky Gods continued their assault assisted by the Council that kicked Garth to the side. The Sky Gods wormed their way through the society unopposed. The laws shifted subtly, but fundamentally. They weakened the people before the people knew they would even need to fight back. They called it the 17-minute war, but they didn't call it that for long. The Sky Gods destroyed the cities. The buildings fell and then they raised even the rubble. They destroyed the history, first the ways to keep track of it, then the memories which were much easier to eliminate. They destroyed the culture. Anything that reminded anyone of the way things were before were stripped away until all that the people were were what the sky gods allowed them to be. Contra wiped away tears from her red skin the first time she saw this. She wiped the tears from others when she related to them. She told everyone she could. She traveled from kingdom to kingdom telling of the past. She gained a following. She brought back the names of places as she recognized them from the tablet. She fell in love. She swayed the minds of kings and queens and had the foresight to tell them not to strike. Not yet. For she had found a possible solution to the Sky Gods. Through more and more research, she had finally found where Garth had gone underground. Contra then discovered she was with child. Some of her followers urged her to stop or slow down for a bit, but she would not be deterred. She knew that she wanted her child to grow up in a world free from the Sky Tyrants. She didn't slow down her search, and instead searched harder, until finally she found Garth's resting place. It wasn't much. She was glad she had been alone when she found it. She found his journal. It detailed his last days. She cried. The hero she had imagined was underground, forging weapons to hurl into the sky. Didn't have much left to build those weapons with in his underground hiding hole. A bed some rations, a device like her tablet that wouldn't turn on, and a pod. She read the journal and found out that the pod was a last resort, a way to escape the planet if he could never figure out how to defeat the Sky Gods. It was his way to get out if he gave up. Garth was no savior, but at least he died without giving up. She was sad he died in vain, but angry he had never lived up to her imagined legacy of him. Contra didn't know what to do. She had been sowing seeds of discontent among the people, with the hopes that she would be able to find the water and fertilizer able to grow them properly. 
but now it seemed that they would have to sprout without the oceans and the cloud and the birds to complete the ecosystem. How would they be able to defeat the sky gods without some hidden advantage? She spent the rest of her pregnancy in the cave. The rations allowed her and the father to live away from the world, away from the chaos she had helped breed. She kept sending messages to her followers, telling them to hold off a bit longer. They respected her wishes, but said once that she had her child, it would be time. Contra reread the notes in the journal about the escape pod. She prepared it. She gave birth and named the child Garth. She placed him in the pod. She tucked a blanket around her little red boy. She tucked the tablet down next to him. She pressed a button and it broke through the mountain and out into space. The pod nourished Garth and told him the tale of his planet and his mother and repeated her words on loop as he traveled through space. Garth, I am sorry. I know this is hard. I have a request. I hope you regard. Remember your people. Remember me. Remember this place from which you are free. Remember the clowns. Remember the birds. Remember this tale, forgetting no words. Wherever you stop, no matter which star, remember your job, our story's last guard. Right. Well, you introduced quite a bit in this story. Yeah, just a little bits. Uh, uh, just a string of little bits. Yeah. I really liked the fairy tale setting background of the story. I thought that was really good. It felt fun. So, right. Once I got into it. At first, I couldn't come up with anything beyond Once Upon a Time. I was like, oh, yeah, good start, good start. I, I know it's a charged word. It has a lot of emotion in it. Did you have any... Uh, uh, special consideration for using the name Contra? Not really. There were like a, a few uh, co- com- convergences of things uh. that all happened at once. And, eh, why not? It was like in a song that just happened to be. Pl- I was like, I need to come up with a name. The 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 YouTuber Contra Points just posted a video like the other night, and I think there was something else. And I went, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. No, I thought that was a really cool name. So there's King Garth. Yes. And he's already dead. Yeah. Long And dead. then Contra's kid becomes Garth. Like, does she give him the name? Yeah, she she names him Garth. Okay, just like in honor of her hero. Yeah. Okay. Is that like a, you live up to what I imagined Garth to be? Yeah, I think kind of like live up to this name or whatever. Not live up to what happened. Like, you can be the Garth this world deserves. Except he still hasn't come back and freed everyone or something. I don't, I don't know. It's very hard he's one person (laughs) yeah well and i almost wonder then so when garth lands does he have all that information yeah i don't know i mean it's in the tablet yeah but i want is there not like an outlet to plug it in that fits i think it doesn't doesn't need to charge or something because i don't know how else it would survive that long that is one thing i got to the end of the story and i was like i don't know how this actually how does garth feel about all of this because i wonder if he's tried to go back then yeah or if he thinks it's helpless or something i mean it could be a possible future storyline yeah it's something we can look into in the future for garth's character maybe give him a little bit of an arc at the end yeah perhaps he reconnects with that at some point in the future 
Be good. Because now he would be able to connect with the Centauri people and that are on Earth. And while they're on the outs with the Empire itself, yeah. there's at least some avenue for why would you do this? And it gives a a vector for uh, Aster to struggle on. When I thought about that being a thing that comes up, is maybe Aster has this kind of... Um, she has this glorified version of Centauri history. Yeah. And then with Sparkplug joining her team, she could have a moment where she's like, well, do you know what they actually do, though, like out in space? Yeah. And I thought it'd be fun to also have Michonne at some point be like, yeah, we were war criminals because we didn't believe it was okay to make slaves. Um, I don't know if we want to whitewash Michonne over here. He's still a bad dude. Also, just... I don't... I don't know if uh her dad is entirely blameless if that, it, like he maybe he wasn't the person given these orders but he's of a society that is built on all of this and i think that's maybe the growing pains arc for that group yeah is they get here and they think they're all that i mean we can have aster and, be the good guy of her people but anyone that was like adult aged coming off the planet might have some things to contend with but I think that's their thing now is they're like, no, we're we're different. Like, we're a different group now. And yeah. We don't do things that way. And that was some of the hard part of writing some of this. I had some different directions the story was going in. And I just went, that makes it seem like I'm condoning this or that. Yeah. Like, there's kind of this feeling as part of it that I don't want to have mis- be misconstrued that like maybe maybe these people were better off if they didn't rebel <laughs> and you know the 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 centauri people were you know kind of supplying them with food and such so they were like benevolent owners <laughs> but, but that's I mean, it was not... still an imperialistic thing like they destroyed the ecosystem and they made them need yeah, them but even still it would yeah it would be not <laughs> like even if they didn't let this society fall into ruins as the resources dried up it still seems like a bad deal <laughs> yeah no no like i like the idea of making the centauri a more realistic problematic group that has things to work yeah, through their space empire <laughs> yeah i mean yeah was this their home planet or was this like a mining operation for garth people yeah the wreck it ralphs their their home planet i think they just had resources that either they mined more more responsibly before or it wasn't a resource that they found a use for yeah whereas the centauri needed it or something Oh, I was going to ask, did you have a name for Garf's people or the planet? I didn't. While watching Infinity War, I did have the idea like, oh yeah, we should just say Garf's a Titan from Titan. That was really good. I like that. I mean, I'm okay with the Wreck-It Ralphs. Yeah, the Wreck-It Ralphs and Planet Wreck-It. The Ralphians from Planet Wreck-It. Is there a word we can make out of R-I-W? The Roo. Maybe. The Roo. It's hard to say. Roo. But it just sounds like Roo. The Roo. It looks like a cool word. R-I-W? Yeah. There we go. I named them. That's what it was. Wreck-It Ralphians. Well, Wreck-It Ralphians. You're, you're not pluralizing uh, it correctly. One is a Wreck-It Ralph, and many are Wreck-It Ralphs. Like, person and people. We we did a lot. We did a lot of ground in this episode. <laughs> this may be a good one. I don't Ju- know. <laughs> I think the story will be fine, at least. <laughs> yeah. 
talked about D and D podcasts for a bit. Oh man, that's that's probably a big yep. cut. <laughs> and zooming in on the map of Michigan, talking about the Michigan state lines, also good. Yeah, it's good radio. Did you want to do outro stuff? Want me to do it? Um, thank you for listening to this episode of Double Issue. I am your host, Quentin Pongratz, signing off. Join us next week. Oh, I guess I could say all the other stuff. It's good. It's good. If you like the show, you can rate it or like it or whatever it is on any system there is to rate podcasts. We would really appreciate it, actually. And if you can tweet about the show, if you like it, just with the hashtag double issue or hashtag double issue show. And if we see your name, we'll we'll give you a shout out, uh, possibly in the form of a character name in a story you write. Our episode art is by Letha Prather. You can find her stuff on lisapratherart.com. Yeah, lisapratherart.com. And then we've got an email, a Twitter, a website, WordPress, a Facebook, and a Discord. And all that is in the show notes. Yeah. Did you know doubleissue.com is so expensive? Yeah, is it like 700 Yeah, it's a ridiculous amount. And you know why? It's the FM political system. really it's people want to make websites with the word issue in them because they can put it their issue and have people go there like the dog owning issue or whatever and it's double issue.com is currently parked at gkg.net but it's an insane amount to i even wanted to do a website that's a pun called issue issue.com because i thought it would be so funny (laughs) <laughs> but that one cost a lot of money too. <laughs> I think double issue with some variant of show is pretty good though. Yeah, it's fine. And double issue dot show I mean, is really good. Yeah, no, the dot show is good. And everything is is pretty much set up to that to where we're getting easier to find now. Yeah. But yeah, uh next week you can join us as we have another special guest. Woo! We have Beth Lindley from the podcast uh the fourth journal it's the number number four, four th, th journal journal okay but uh the podcast about gravity falls called the fourth journal and a podcast about buffy called buffy speaks is that correct i think that's right i'm subscribed I but i don't listen because i have yet to start rewatching buffy yet i've just been working through the fourth journal oh man the fourth journal is good you can find them there if yeah. you haven't Watch Gravity Falls, watch it all before the next episode. Start listening to the fourth journal and you're ready for next week. But we have her on and we are going to world build about the supernatural stuff. We're, uh, whether it be a team or a hero of supernatural origin, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Some monsters or something. Probably. I don't know. We haven't recorded yet. And I also have a shout out this week. For now that I'm older, uh, a podcast about older geeks. They they tweeted at us and they were pretty cool. Yeah, I've been listening to some of their show. Yeah, they were doing a March Madness bracket for their favorite childhood cartoons. Their discussion's pretty good so far. I just love their discussion of Snagglepuss because they're building their brackets and they said, "What is that crap? Who is Snagglepuss?" Is, just, if I oh. leave this in, those two weeks in a row that uh, we talk about Snagglepuss. Hey, it's me, Future Daniel. I'm here to read the music credits. Music this week was Virtues Instrumenti by Kevin McLeod. No, 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 No's by Dr. Turtle. 
A Surprising Power by Ask Again. When You Leave by Sergia Shemezmanov. All songs and sound effects can be found in the link's description. All items were used under the Creative Commons license. Those licenses are listed also in the description. They were shortened and edited as needed. Thanks. Bye. So like your character from that one RPG we did? Yeah, except that one was terrible for you. That was because I one said, specific oh, person. There's a, there's a power where you can have amnesia. I guess I'm done creating my character now. Oh, wait. You didn't. Did I ever tell you about what I did with that? No. I built the whole campaign then around your character. Oh, man. He was going to be the prince of the space bears. Oh. And you all were going to like help him get his kingdom back. That's so But good. that game was really hard because we had a metagamer who made a mad scientist with robot minions. And he had a plasma gun. And he ruined every single trap I tried to make. It made it so hard. I was such a bad DM at that point, too. Like, I had no yeah. idea how to deal with that. I mean, it was probably bad on me as a player to put my points into bear and amnesia. <laughs> it was good. I was going to introduce, like, powers as we went. Like, I think, what wasn't that the rule? Was the rule of the thing just you can have more points if you don't know what you have or something? Yeah, but I think I could use those against you in yeah. special ways. Like, I think my plan was to make it like you are framed for war crimes or something, so you have to go to bear court. Okay. Uh, it's going to be like a, a narrative thing. But yeah. But yeah, that was a GURPS game. That was good.